you spent time over the last couple of weeks thinking about the, the ordinances of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, thinking about missions and evangelism, the task of the church to the world. Uh, but today, I want us to think about the empowering grace that runs through the church at all times. So today, we're going to learn about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, there's a lot that we could say as we go to Scripture to learn about spiritual gifts. What they are, what they're like, what they're for, what kind of gifts are for today, what kind of gifts may have uh, been for a certain time. How does the, the Spirit give gifts? Do you always have gifts? Are they permanent? Do you have one gift or more than one gift? We, there are all kinds of questions when it comes to spiritual gifts. But today I want us to see this kind of this main idea that the gifts of the Spirit are how the church thrives. The gifts of the Spirit are how the church thrives. If we as the family of God want to live a vital, fulfilling, satisfying life as the church, then we must be living and serving and practicing the gifts that God has given us by His Spirit. It's what empowers each one of us to love one another, to honor one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another. On and on we could go with these one another's in Scripture. They are impossible without the gifts of the Spirit. Apart from those gifts, we will be missing a vital lifeline as the church. Now, there are many different gifts. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But you may want to write down, there, there are four main places in the Bible where you, you read about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. So it's easy to remember 12, 12, 4, 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. And, and in, those, in those texts, you read about certain kinds of gifts that are given by the Spirit. But here's what I think that means. Because there's so many different places and different lists of gifts, I don't think Paul has in mind to give you or me a kind of definitive, exhaustive list that these are the spiritual gifts and there's no other gifts like them. So maybe the Spirit has gifted you in a way that isn't clearly expressed in a chapter and a verse. Like maybe he's given you a, a certain uh, proclivity to certain things or a certain kind of creativity to do certain things. That's okay. The, the Spirit gifts as he wills. But we'll learn about some of the gifts that are more uh, common and more clearly seen in Scripture this morning. You may also wonder this morning, as we're thinking about spiritual gifts, what is my spiritual gift? You may not know what your spiritual gift is. You may have an idea, but you may not know for sure. You, if, you may not know what to really look for if you're thinking about spiritual gifts. And here's, here's the big idea for that. If you don't know what to look for, then you'll probably be tr frustrated trying to find it. If I'm looking for something, but I don't know what I'm looking for, I'm probably going to have a hard time finding it. And if you don't know what you're looking for as it relates to your spiritual gift, then you'll be frustrated as you try to find it. So let's read from our main text, 1 Corinthians 12. It's a, it's a longer uh, text. We're actually going to read the whole chapter and then three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. But let's ask the Lord to help us both to understand the importance of spiritual gifts and to know what our individual gifts are. So let's read the text. I'll pray, and then we'll talk about it some more. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. and He says in chapter 12, starting in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, or where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Let's pray. Well, Father, you have been so kind to your people in giving us your word. The Word incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. And now here this morning, Lord, the, the Word inspired, authored by your very Spirit. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to see the importance of spiritual gifts. That we would see together how you have equipped your church to love and to serve and to enjoy one another through the empowering grace of your Spirit. 
that these gifts are not given for comparison, for ranking of superiority or inferiority, but for this unity in diversity, this harmonious life of the family of God that we can enjoy with our various gifts. Lord, I pray that you would give all of us a measure of wisdom to notice and to affirm both in our own lives and in the lives of our brothers and sisters those gifts that you have given us by your grace. We ask all this as we read and study and try to understand your word this morning. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's a long text this morning, but I hope you see the importance of reading all of it. That it starts, Paul says, by saying that there are a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. And he uses the metaphor of members of a body to show the unity that should exist in the life of the church through the various kinds of gifts that we've been given. And finally, he ends in 1 Corinthians 13, which is not really a a break in the original letter. It's a subheading for us to help manage the text. That if we have all kinds of gifts, if we have all kinds of things that we can do for the life of the church, but we do it without love, it does not matter. That love is the undercurrent through which our gifts can be used for the sake of the church. So if you're taking notes this morning, that's the first point. That spiritual gifts are for the church. Spiritual gifts are for the church. When you become a member of the body of Christ, the the universal church, when you become a believer, you receive the promised Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in you. Remember, you as an individual are a member of the spiritual temple that God is building in the church. He resides in you, and when He comes to dwell with you, He comes bearing gifts. In verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we saw that the Spirit gives a variety of gifts, all empowered by God Himself, and He gives them for the common good. For the common good. In other words, the Spirit gives you and me gifts, but He gives me a gift not for me. The Spirit gives you a gift, but it's not for you. When the Spirit manifests His power in you and me through His gifts, it is, though, it is so that you and I might use those gifts for the common good or for the good of the church. So if we're thinking about spiritual gifts uh, kind of encapsulated, a way to define what a spiritual gift is, Tom Schreiner gives us a great definition. He writes this. He says, spiritual gifts are gifts of grace by the Holy Spirit which are designed for the edification of the church. The Spirit gives you and me gifts not for our own individual pleasure, our own individual status, although our gifts may be used to encourage us, our our gifts may be used to remind us of His grace, but the primary reason you and I receive gifts is for the sake of our family, So you may have the gift of generosity. Your gift of generosity is not given so that you can be generous to yourself. It's given so that you might be generous on on behalf of those around you. What kind of things count as spiritual gifts? We read a list here in verses 8 through 10 and again at the end of chapter 12. I mentioned to you Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. All of those give us more uh, uh, gifts. Sometimes in Ephesians 4, it's in the form of roles. So things like apostles or prophets, evangelists. Let's just think about just a few of these gifts. So you may have heard some of these, you may not have. That's okay. We're just going to 
think about very quickly some of the kinds of things we would understand to be spiritual gifts. Things like the gift of hospitality. This is the gift of the Spirit that you are welcoming and are able to make those around you feel safe and loved. This is not the same as entertaining. So, so you being able to put on a party is not necessarily the gift of hospitality. But you going to a brother or sister and them feeling like they're home, that's the gift of hospitality. Or the gift of mercy, not giving people what they deserve, being able to be compassionate to someone, that's a gift. Or the gift of administration, being able to help logistically for the sake of the church. How do we keep this thing going called Lakeview with over a thousand members, usually uh, more, more than that on our role and and in normal times, over a thousand people in the building with classes and ministries and groups and mission trips and, and, and camps and, and things like that all throughout the year. How does that happen? Well, it happens partly through administration and God gifts people for that. Maybe the gift of faith, being able to believe the promises of God even when it's difficult, trusting in God's word even when it's really hard. I'll just say as a side note, I believe that Whitley, my wife, has the gift of faith. It is natural for her in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship, to turn and cling to what she knows God has promised. For some of us, that's not natural. We need to be guided into that direction. We fall into doubt or fear or frustration or confusion, but for her, she just naturally drifts towards, I know what God has said. That's a gift. And that gift blesses me. It blesses those around her. Maybe you have the gift of giving, that you're able to be generous with your time, your talents, and your treasure with joy, knowing that when you give to the Lord, when you seek His kingdom and His righteousness, whatever you give for the sake of the kingdom will be returned to you manyfold. Maybe you have the gift of teaching. You're able to explain the Christian faith in a way that just makes sense to people. You're able to to describe and, and, and help people understand Scripture or certain kinds of doctrines. I would like to think that some days I have this gift. Maybe not every day. Or maybe you have the gift of exhortation. You're able to apply God's Word to the lives of people around you. So you're able to take what God's Word says and not just explain it, not just teach it, but apply it to somebody's life. That's the gift of exhortation. And if you notice, teaching plus exhortation equals preaching. Right? So if a preacher is doing his job rightly, he is able to describe to you what the text says and then is able to apply it to your own life. Maybe you have the gift of discernment. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's the phrase distinguishing between spirits. Discernment, all that is, is, is being able to naturally be able to recognize truth and falsehood. So if you're not gullible, if you're able to just gravitate towards things that are true and right and good, perhaps you have the gift of discernment or the gift of evangelism, right? Not just sharing the gospel. All of us are called to evangelize, but the gift of evangelism is that gift in which when you share Christ, people respond. So many of you know Junior Hill. I would say he has the gift of evangelism. When he shares the gospel, by, his, by God's grace, the Spirit opens the eyes of the blind and they hear him. And they respond in faith. Now these next couple of gifts are kind of their own category that historically we've understood as the, what we call the sign gifts. These are, these are gifts that are 
more so than the gifts we've said so far, uh, a specific kind of supernatural. We would say all the gifts, if they're spiritual gifts, are supernatural gifts. You and I aren't naturally merciful. You and I aren't naturally generous. So it is a work of God's grace in our life. All of these gifts are supernatural, but these sign gifts are particularly unique in the way that they display God's power. So things like the gift of prophecy, receiving and proclaiming a word from God, oftentimes predictive in as- has a predictive aspect, that you're able to say things from God that are going to happen. We see this in the Old and the New Testament. Maybe you have or have seen someone with the gift of healing or miracles. This is pretty self-explanatory, right? Peter going to the lame beggar by the pool and says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have I give to you in Jesus' name. Get up and walk. This is a gift that the, the Spirit of God uses to bring a miraculous healing to this man's body. Or maybe speaking in tongues, if you see in 1 Corinthians 12. This is debatable of what this actually means. The word is glossolalia. I understand this to mean, this gift to mean this. Someone who has the gift of tongues is able to speak at times in a language that they do not know, but is nonetheless discernible and understandable. It is a known language. So I've heard stories, for example, of missionaries going to a foreign country and meeting someone from that country and have not yet learned the language, but nonetheless are able to speak to them and communicate gospel truths to them in a way that this person who does not know their language somehow now understands. That would be the gift of speaking in tongues. Or maybe the gift of knowledge, having a, a, a knowledge or an understanding of a particular person or event that is not naturally available to you. So I've heard a story one time of a guy who was sharing the gospel in uh, East Asia or South Asia, and he was talking to this person who was asking questions about how Jesus is not like They're Hindu gods because Hindus believe in millions of gods. And so how is Jesus just not one of their many gods? And so they're talking about the exclusivity of Jesus and the importance of the gospel. And and they're having this deep conversation. And this guy's kind of tracking with him. And and this friend, this other Christian friend, walks up and says to this man, hey, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to kind of barge in on this conversation. I just really feel it impressed to tell you, sir, I, I don't know you. I don't know your life. But I think I'm supposed to tell you that your wife is going to be okay. And this man just breaks down and, and, and walks off with this man and, and repents and believes the gospel. And the guy sharing the gospel with him is going, well, that, that was my guy. Like, I, I, had all the, I was about to hit this out of the park, and you just walk up and say, hey, your wife's going to be okay. And he just breaks down for you? Like, that's a kind of knowledge that is given to a person. But notice, it's for the sake of God's glory being seen and believed. Now, there are some who believe that these latter gifts, called the sign gifts, ceased with the death of the apostles and the completion of the New Testament. So when the apostles died, when the New Testament canon was written, there was no longer a need for these sign gifts to be given because now we have the the ultimate sign, the Bible. We have Scripture. We have God's very Word written down. Others believe that God still gives believers these gifts like he does all the other gifts. So you might have the gift of mercy just as much as you might have the gift of speaking in tongues. Finally, and just show cards on the table, this is, this is where I land. 
There are some who believe that God is able to gift people for specific purposes and use them as he sees fit. So here's what I mean. Here's just an example. Do I believe, do we believe, that God is able to miraculously heal someone? No doubt. No doubt. I've heard the stories. I've seen stories myself. I've met people that that's a part of their test. No doubt that God is able to miraculously heal someone as he sees fit for the glory of God and the good news of the gospel to spread to the ends of the earth. Absolutely, I believe that. But do I believe that someone has the gift of healing in the same way that Peter did, that he was able to go to someone and with his own authority wield that gift and say, I am healing you? I'm not so sure. I'm totally sure that we ought to pray that God would use us to bring healing by His Spirit and by His grace to those who need it. Absolutely. And in that moment, could God give us a kind of gift that would lead to that person being healed? Absolutely. In the same way that that missionary going overseas to, to speak to someone who doesn't understand the language, could God give them the gift of speaking in that language, speaking in that tongue for that purpose? Absolutely. But does that missionary have command of that gift like you might have command over your gift of generosity. I think the sign gifts are specific and unique to proclaiming the good news of the gospel and revealing God's power in places where God's power and glory are not yet known. Now You might disagree with me on that. That's totally fine. This is a place where, where good-hearted believers disagree, but I think this is a good place to understand how the gifts are made. But ultimately, we see that spiritual gifts are for the church, whether it's edifying current believers in their life or proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who will be brought into the family of God, that's why the gifts are given. They are not given for you to make a name for yourself. They're not given for you to become more high and mighty in the life of the church. They're not given for you to somehow accrue a sense of status and superiority because you have a certain kind of gift that other people don't have. That's not what they're for. The gifts are given for the edification, the the, the sanctification, the the purifying of the church. Next we see, as we're thinking about this, that spiritual gifts, number two, are not for comparison. Spiritual gifts are not for comparison. We read this whole section of 1 Corinthians 12 for this reason. Paul makes a beautiful argument here, starting in verse, uh, verse 12. For the diversity and the harmony of spiritual gifts. We as the body of Christ are each members or a part of that body. And we know that a body without eyes is a body that is missing something pretty important. That a body without feet is a body that's missing something pretty important. Or a body without ears or a body without a nose or a body without hands. On and on we can go, but the point is this. We know what a fully formed body ought to look like and we notice when something's missing. Furthermore, parts of a body are not in competition with one another. The foot on your body is not thinking, if it could think, man, I really wish that this body would treat me like a nose. Right? So if I'm itching, I really wish they would just grab the tissue and rub me with it. No! That's crazy! Why? Because the purpose of a foot is to stand and walk and run, but the purpose of a nose is to smell and hold your glasses up. Your 
members, the parts of your body, all have a specific purpose. And the, the purpose for one member of a body shouldn't be compared to the purpose of another part of a body because they're doing different, although unifying, things. Finally, the members of the body naturally come to the aid of another member in distress. So if I stub my toe, my whole body will respond, right? I'm not going to like jam my toe on the bed and be like, my toe is hurting. No, I'm going to be like, ah, my toe. Right? My hand is going to grab it. My eyes are going to look at it. If I get stung in the arm by a wasp or something, my hand is automatically going to cover it, and then my eyes are going to look and see what just happened. My whole body responds to the pain and suffering of any part of that body. Students, we as members of Lakeview Baptist Church are members of a body. And each part, with its specific gift, has a role to play in the life of that body. When a part of the body isn't working correctly, don't miss this. When any part of a body isn't working correctly, the whole body notices. The whole body suffers. So the gifts are not for comparison. We don't look at someone around us with the gift of evangelism with envy because we don't have that gift. No, we look at someone with the gift of evangelism with joy that God would give this body that gift. We look at someone with the gift of mercy as an encouragement, not as someone who is superior to us or inferior to us. The Spirit of God has seen fit to give you the gift or gifts He has given you, same as He has every other believer. So if you think, God, I'm just really missing out because I don't have the gifts that my friend has, then what you are saying is, Spirit of God, you really just don't see the world like I see it. I see the world really clearly, and I know that if I actually had that gift instead of this gift that you've given me, life would be better. What an arrogant thing to say to the one who made you. And then made you a new creation. And then took up residence within you. And then gave you gifts as he sees fit. They're not for comparison. They're for the good of the church. Then the last verse in 1 Corinthians 12. Flip over and just look at it for me. Verse 31, he says, Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Well, that's weird because I just told you that you shouldn't envy those who have different gifts than you and you, shouldn't, you should feel content with the gifts that you have. So how is it that we can desire the higher gifts without being arrogant towards God? How can we desire gifts that we may not currently possess in a way that does not say to God, you got it wrong? What does it mean that some gifts are higher than others. I want to argue that the higher gifts are those gifts which more clearly edify the church. So flip over probably just maybe not even one page, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 5. Paul is talking about prophecy and tongues. And in verse 5 he says, "Now I want you to I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy." The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the body may be built up. So Paul is saying 
in 1 Corinthians 14.5 that you as the church, someone who prophesies is greater than someone who speaks in tongues. Well, that goes against everything he just said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So what is going on? Here's what I think is going on. Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, and he's saying to you and me, that all gifts are essentially supernatural gifts of grace by the Spirit. But there are some gifts that more clearly edify the church at a given time. So let's say we're in a church service, and someone gets up in, in, in the first century, in the church in Corinth, someone gets up and starts speaking in a language that no one in the room knows. He says, I have a word from the Lord, and starts speaking in a language that nobody understands. Now that, that congregation might be edified because they recognize this is a gift of the Spirit. But then 10 minutes later, somebody gets up and says, I have a word from the Lord, and he speaks that word to the congregation in a language they can't understand. They might be encouraged in the midst of suffering, or they may, be, they may be told to held fast in the midst of persecution, or they may be reminded that someone is coming to bring them relief for their, their many problems. That congregation is more clearly edified in that situation because they can understand the gift that has been given in that, in that moment. So Paul is saying to you and me, earnestly desire the higher gifts. In other words, desire for your gifts to edify the body. Whether it's the gifts that you have now or the gifts that the Spirit might give you in another season of life. There's nothing in the Bible that I've seen that says that your gift given to you at conversion is the only gift that you will have through the remainder of your life as a Christian. Can God not give you another gift a year from now or today? For sure. He's the Father of all good and perfect gifts. He gives all good things. And He gives churches what they need in their time. Paul is saying that you and I ought to desire the kind of gifts that clearly edify the church. It's not to say that the gifts that don't clearly edify the church aren't important. They're massively important. But we should desire, most of all, that our gifts are used for the sake of the church, not for comparison. Not to show ourselves as greater or lesser, but so that the church might be edified. Thirdly and finally, we're thinking through spiritual gifts being for the church and spiritual gifts being not for comparison. But maybe, you be wonder, maybe you're wondering right now, how is it that I know what my gifts are? I mean, how do I figure out what God has given me? Well, third point, last point for today is this. Spiritual gifts are noticed, not grasped. They're noticed, not grasped. We ought to think about how we might know what our gifts really are. And just like I said earlier, I don't think God gives gifts, or He doesn't have to give gifts permanently. So in your life as an early Christian, you may be given the gift of faith. It's easy for you in a, in a difficult time, surrounded by people who aren't Christians, to believe the promises of God. And as you move into the life of the local church, maybe that gift of faith turns into the gift of service or the gift of administration, you might find that you have this natural knack to organize things for the sake of that body. Well, how do you know what those gifts are in any season of life? Historically, we've used things like spiritual gift inventories or quizzes to help us see patterns in our life. So many of you, actually, show of hands, how many of you have taken like a spiritual gifts inventory or a quiz? Yeah, so not all of you, but many of you, all right? And there's totally a place for these things. 
But unfortunately, those inventories rely entirely on what you think about yourself and your life as it relates to the church. So if I'm in a certain mood, and probably many of you who have taken this, those inventories or quizzes before can relate to this. If I'm in a certain mood, I could probably fill out one of those inventories and get any gift I want. Like I know what the answers are, right? So I am feeling very evangelistic today, right? You have the gift of evangelism, right? I think there's a better way. Not to say that we should never use those things. Not to say that we should never have something in front of us that helps us see patterns in our life. All of us are called to serve the church as members of the body. None of you are exempt from living out your lives, giving your whole lives as a spiritual offering to the Lord. We're all called to gather in fellowship, to volunteer, to pray, to serve, and more. And as we live out our lives as members in the community of faith, as members in the church, if we have eyes to see, we will begin to notice that we have natural tendencies towards certain things and not others. So as you serve in faithfulness in the church, you will begin to notice the things that you are good at and the things that you are not so good at. So we will also notice, if we have eyes to see, how God has gifted others around us. So instead of taking a test and getting a result from a sheet, try noticing and recognizing gifts in the regular rhythms of your life as a Christian. Because here's what, here's what we know. None of us are off the hook if we don't have a certain gift. Like, I may not have the gift of mercy, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't strive to show mercy like Jesus. Or you may not have the gift of evangelism, but that doesn't free you from going and making disciples of all nations, right? Just because you don't have the gift of evangelism, you don't sit around and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to share the gospel with anybody because I don't have that gift. Whether or not you're gifted is not whether or not you should do it. You're, all of us are called to be faithful to Christ and His Word in all of these ways. But as we obey God's Word, we will start to notice in our own lives and in the lives of others around us, you know, man, you, you're such an encouragement when we go to do these difficult things. Do, do, I don't know if anybody's ever affirmed that in you, but I just, I just know everyone on this team is, is so encouraged by you. You're so affirming to us when things are difficult. Or, man, I know that it's been really hard, and I know that I've, I've sinned against you, but I just, I so clearly see God's mercy in your life towards me. I don't know if anybody's ever affirmed that in you, but you're so compassionate and kind to the people around you, even when they don't deserve it. I've seen how you treat people around you, and you're always merciful. That's what we're looking for. As we obey God together, we will see the ways that the Spirit has gifted His church. Can you imagine, just for a moment, a church where all the members have an understanding of their gifting and are serving in places that use that gift for the good of the church? Like, what would Lakeview be like if all of the members had a good grasp of here are the ways that God's Spirit is using me in the life of the church and then we were faithful to use those gifts in the life of the church. What would happen in this church? I don't think we could imagine. As God's grace is poured out on His people, why would we not strive for something like that? 
Why would you not, as a, as a student or as a teacher, why would you not be asking the Lord and saying, God, as I'm faithful to you and investing my life in this church, what are the ways that you have gifted me so that we can be a growing, fruitful, all-encompassingly God-glorifying body of believers? You think the community would notice if a body of people were living in a way that was radically different than the way the rest of the world lived? What a thing for us to think about, to pray about, to strive for. Let me pray for you and give you some time to think about this in your groups. God in heaven, we are delighted in knowing that your word tells us that all of these gifts are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God, if we are in Christ, then we are indwelled by the Spirit. And if we are indwelled by the Spirit, he has given us a gift. So Lord, help us as the people of God to steward that gift well. To live in light of your empowering grace as we seek to edify our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Help us to see that these gifts that we have been given are for the sake of the church. That they're not to be used as things to compare ourselves with, but are instead used as tools to empower and edify, sanctify, to encourage, to love, to honor, to hold accountable, to challenge, to love well our brothers and sisters. So God, I pray in the next couple of minutes as we think about these things together, that you would give us great wisdom as we seek to live our lives right in the middle of your empowering grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.